welcome hey. to Book Sparkle. I have red wine for this occasion. Hello to my brilliant friends. I have coffee. Happy New Year. This is our first episode, technically, of the actual Yay. New Year. No, it's like, def- yeah, that's it. It is. Yeah. I didn't even think about it that way. Happy New Here Year. Here we are. New Year. Happy New, New Year. Us. I mean, New Year. Same, same us. us. But this is going to go yeah. pretty much the same. Yeah. As the format you're used to. We didn't really change anything. Just wanted to get your attention. <laughs> you know, why mess with All a good right. thing? Everything is going to be really different <laughs> now. Starting now. Mm-hmm. Go. Starting at the well, beginning of every episode from this yes. point forward, so, we, are, we are playing Fuck, Mary Kill. Oh, no. Every episode. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Because I do love a good game of Fuck, Mary Kill. And that's what we're doing today. Okay, so we're discussing... My Brilliant Friend, the HBO series based on the novel by Elena Ferrante. And to kick off this game, so there are a lot of characters in this, and there are a lot of horrible men, particularly. And so we're going to play the classic and game of Fuck, Mary Kill. Oh, with- we will be spoiling things what? from the show in this game, per- potentially. So, yeah. So blanket yeah. spoiler warning from here. Starting with the game and continuing throughout. If you want to read the book or watch the show, do not listen minutes. to this unless you don't care about spoilers. I I will say I've so I finished my brilliant friend today. Had a very regimented schedule of when I was watching it, and I watched the last two episodes today. And coming off those last two episodes, can I just say kill everyone? Yeah, kill every man, especially. No, you can't, and yeah. that's the beauty of this game. All right, so let's do it. Who are our choices? That's why it's so challenging. Door so, number one. Fuck, Mary, kill. Stefano Caracci. Mary. Wait, hold on, Mary. Let her do the thing. <laughs> Gotta wait. Sorry. You can't do it yet. <laughs> this is the guy that Leela marries. <laughs> uh, Marcello Solara is the second choice. Um, he is the monster of a person who tries to marry Leela. Uh, and Nino Saratore, who is the super smart guy who's also a total snob and his dad's a super creep. So, fuck, Mary kill. Who would like to take that? I'll go first. first. Um, I'm going to kill Marcello. Marcello. Yes. Uh, I will refrain from the bad Italian <laughs> accent yeah. as much as I can, but sometimes it's going to slip out. And I'm sorry. Um, Okay. He's the worst person ever. I mean, like, he's not the worst person on this show, but he's close. He's up there. Like, the the worst person on this show is probably Donato, who is the horrible creep man. But Marcelo is a an abuser. He is a terrible, terrible human being. And though he is very attractive, arguably also the most attractive man on the show, he – I just, like – my concern is that if I'm having sex with him, like, because I would fuck him, but then I'm like, okay, but if I'm fucking him and I'm like, don't choke me, and he's like, no, I'm going to do it anyway, I don't want, I, I'm not into that. He wouldn't you know? even say, no, I'm going to do it anyway. He'd just do it. He'd just do it. Yeah. So, uh, going to kill him. Yeah. Then I guess, so this one is harder for me between who I'm going to marry and who I'm going to fuck because Stefano is not an attractive man um, at all. At all. But he uh, well. <laughs> is, like, 
not the worst person, but he's not a good person. But and so the the same could be said for Nino that he Nino is very attractive. He's like slight he's more annoying of a person than Stefano, but like morally he's not a worse person that we know of so far. So I think I'm going to go with Nino because I have to look at him every day. And I like Nino's face. Um and I feel like I can't really say that Nino or Stefano is better or worse of a person to be around. Nino's a little insufferable because he thinks he's really smart. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer is uh, kill Marcelo, fuck Stefano, and marry Nino. Mm. Interesting. Mary, I feel like you really wanted to go. I've never been good at this because I'm just like, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I like given the choice. Here's my thing. <laughs> the cho- the answer would be Stefano <laughs> is okay. I don't think he's as unattractive as Kelly thinks he is. Uh I just I understand there's something about I understand <laughs> there's something about his face that freaks me out. He's got a little bit of a weird face. He seems okay. He is a bad person, but he seems, like, slightly more principled, I guess, as he gets older. Uh, Marcelo, straight on to death. Like, he's trash from the moment you see him. Nino's also trash. Yeah. That's how I feel. Nino's trash because he's like, I'm too cool for everyone because I write edgy think pieces about communism also he trash talks novels yes he does and then he's like oh but i read novels i think he did that more to fuck with her than he actually meant it because he also reads a ton of novels i think he just wanted to hurt her my problem with nino is he does what most of the guys in the series do they're like hey lenu you're cute i like you oh no just kidding can you introduce me to your hot friend leela but he doesn't do that. He's looking at Leela in such a way. He has talked about Leela to her That's in true. a way that yes. he's not talking. Yeah, he he was like your friend anyway. Are all so, smart. but Mary, yeah. but but who would you fuck? I guess <laughs> Nino. <laughs> like if, if I right. gotta pick someone, but the second he but opened like, his mouth about communism, my question about this game always is like. By, like, are you going to marry someone and never fuck them? Or, like, is marrying them implying that you will be fucking them? I think it's implying that you will be regularly. fucking them, even if it's not, you know, on the daily. But yeah. it's implied that sometimes you'll have to probably have some, like, maintenance sex with this person. <laughs> maintenance. <laughs> oh. Real romantic shit, you know? Stefano also has that sweet grocery store. That's true. Yeah. And you know, you know, he'll uh, buy you things. You know that. I enjoy working. He does seem to genuinely love her. Mm -hmm. So you would kill Marcella. Would be dead immediately. Oh yeah. I have no patience for that. I agree. He's probably like the most objectively attractive person in the show, but he's so terrible. It doesn't make up for it. Okay, but here's my thing. Hi, this is Emily. The the whole uh, spirit of the fuck Mary Kill game is that you're supposed to pick 
the one that you want to fuck based on attractiveness alone and not based on anything else. And that's why you marry somebody else. So with that in mind, I'm going to fuck Marcelo. Um, but like logical reasoning has to come I'm, into anyhow. It. <laughs> yeah, because you do have to think about like how this sex is, is he going, going to kill me? But see, like I kind of think that I kind of enjoy that danger. So Getting I'm killed? for it. Yeah. Emily's into different stuff than us. Yeah, basically. Um, so I'm going to marry. This was hard, um, but I'm going to marry Stefano. And I'm going to kill Nino because I hate hipsters and <laughs> not really into communism either. So there you go. And he loves both of those things. Yeah. We have the same choices, but I think for different reasons. Who, you um, and I? Yeah. I okay. usually either pick who I'm going to marry or kill first because those are usually the more obvious ones to me. I always pick the um, kill first. But for this time, I was like, I mean, I think Marcello can live because I only have to have this one interaction with him and he is the hottest one. So, yes, but I couldn't marry him because you'd have to like no. do that all the time and like, no, but like for a one time, I feel like he could throw you around a little bit and you'd, you'd be all right. Exactly. Exactly. Then, um, He's not going like to kill you. I like to be in control. Oh, I don't. So. See, that's the <laughs> fundamental difference here. Yeah. I like to mix it up. I think in on, you know, one of those types of days, he could be your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the other two, I, I went back and forth a little bit. But in the end, I also settled on marrying Stefano and killing Nino because I just don't think I could talk to Nino that much. Nino would constantly mansplain to you why his favorite books are the best books and your books are dumb. And I love to talk about books. I mean, hence this podcast where I just listen to my own self talk about books. But I couldn't do it with him. That doesn't sound enjoyable to me. Yeah, there's Um, a reason we don't have any men on this podcast weekly. That's not what I meant, but... (laughs) That's what I meant. Where would we be without Ask a Man? See, you could never have him on Ask a Man. Yes, but... He but you, you, you let a man drop in and give an opinion, and then when you're done with him, you say, okay, get out of the way. The women are talking now. And those guys are usually people that one of us are dating and or married to, and you could not have Nino drop in. He would be No. Horrible. Oh, no. Horrible. He would be like, welcome well, to my TED Stefano Talk. I'm going to explain everything. Possibly. <laughs> Stefano might be dumb enough that you could probably manipulate him into staying away from me most of the time. I don't think he's dumb. You can just have your marriage. I think he's I like think he's business smart, but I don't think like mm-hmm. he's not Lila smart. He doesn't have no. emotional intelligence. No. no one's Lila smart. Yeah, and I feel like he's a good businessman. He's got like a stable income and stuff, and that shit matters in the neighborhood. And I would so I would marry him. Mm-hmm. You know, you're y'all, y'all are making me rethink my choices. It's too late. You're locked in for life. Yeah. Well, that's. Um, also, I would just like to note, I know this isn't the icebreaker that we chose, but um, I think uh, Linu is definitely Hufflepuff and Leela is definitely Slytherin. Oh, for just sure. Just yeah. putting that out there. Okay. Just checking. That's important to know. It is important to know, I and I think that's spot on. Though Linu might be Ravenclaw. Hmm. Oh, no, because she, like, she's all about working hard, which is why I ended up putting her in Hufflepuff. Yeah. She's obsessed with her studies, though. Yeah, but you can be obsessed with your studies and not be Ravenclaw. That's true. Yeah, look at me. Yeah. 
Just kidding. Um, okay, so let's do a little summary time. So HBO summary of this show is pretty slim. <laughs> when the most important friend in her life seems to have disappeared without a trace, Elena Greco, a now elderly woman immersed in a house full of books, turns on her computer and starts writing the story of their friendship. Based on the best-selling series by Elena Ferrante. I don't know why they felt it necessary to say it turns on her computer. <laughs> but. So that's basically like the first two minutes of the first episode. It's yeah. like whoever did the summary was like, how does it start? Ah, that's good enough. I <laughs> only put it on here because I God knows I'm not watching this show. <laughs> yeah. Classic um, HBO. But yeah, they always it, do like one sentence. Yeah. So this is the this is the Goodreads summary of the novel, which this show is very faithful to the novel. So this applies to both for me. My brilliant friend is a rich, intense, and generous-hearted story about two friends, Elena and Leela. Bronte's inimitable style lends itself perfectly to a meticulous portrait of these two women. That is also the story of a nation and a touching meditation on the nature of friendship. Through the lives of these two women, Ferrante tells the story of a neighborhood, a city, and a country as it is transformed in ways that in turn also transform the relationship between her two protagonists. The rest is just little notes that I wrote. That's not part of it, in case you're wondering. Mm -hmm. um, so this story is set in 1950s post-war post Naples, Italy in a poor neighborhood. Um, there are a lot of characters and families. Uh, it's a so little many. difficult to keep them straight, but we will that's link to a helpful to help you out with some fuck Mary kill. Yeah, and we will link to a helpful bustle article that we have all been using <laughs> that helps you um, tell the difference between all of the aggressive, mean men in this yes. story. <laughs> There's so many of them. Yeah, and the Wikipedia page for the Neapolitan novels, this series of which my br brilliant friend is the first has a breakdown of all the families like grouped together so you can see yeah. like i'm sure it's insane i'm sure the wikipedia is like super extensive yeah. well i mean in the front of each of the novels there's like a, a four page yeah. list of yeah. families which is i normally hey, don't Susan, like yeah i was I, gonna say didn't you mention in a previous episode that you hate stories with family trees in them i said <laughs> yeah you can bet that i'll be angry about it but so many people were telling me to read it that I was like, I'll just give it a chance. But I had to flip it's back so good. all the time, like even all the way up till the end. Like they would mention like the such and such family. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't name a single person in it. I have to look again. Yeah, stuff will happen um, and then they'll kind of disappear for a while. And then all of a sudden it'll mm -hmm. mention them again. And I'm like, wit who? Like when you're reading the book Not, yeah. on the show. I felt At like least with the show, you have a visual reference for that person. Yeah. Like. Your when you're picturing them in your head, you're just like, okay, Italian girl. Yeah. Okay. Blonde Italian, Italian girl, dark-haired Italian oh, no. girl. Wait, girl. there's eight <laughs> of these. So, yeah. This one was – it's a little better to have the um, the visuals. But anyway, so that's where it's set. There's a bunch of families in this neighborhood. Um, it kind of runs on – it seems to be some, like, mafia stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> But so it's centered on this complicated friendship between Elena and Leela from the time they are in like fourth or fifth grade until they're teenagers and Leela gets married. And that's where the first book and this miniseries ends for season one. Um, there's a whole lot happening around them. There's class issues. Like I said, they're in a poor neighborhood, um, but Naples is right there. So there's also they're kind of right next to wealth. 
um, gender issues, political, post-war stuff, communism, as we mentioned. And then, of course, there's mafia undercurrents, <laughs> we'll say. Yeah, but they never say the yeah, mafia. Yeah, and it's never really, like, a part of the plot. It's just, like... But it's the mafia. Yeah, yeah I think that's clearer in the books, yeah. I guess. But I guess we should say... Some of us have read the book, and some of us have just seen the TV Yeah, show. so Susan yeah. and I, Kelly, have read the first book, and Susan started the second book. Um, I have not read any of the other books, so don't worry, we won't be spoiling anything past this first section. And then... But we have all seen yeah, the show. Emily and Mary yes. have only seen the show. Yes. All right. Um... I don't really know how to approach talking about these characters other than to say, like, the most important ones are Elena or Lenu and Leela. Um, there are other people who are important that are in and out, but that's who we're going to be talking about the most. Um, so Elena and Leela have a really weird at times friendship. I mean, it starts when they're very young, but there's some... It's complicated by jealousy and education and parental decisions and um, male friendships and romances. So there's a lot of stuff that kind of plays into their weird dynamic. So I just wanted to talk about what the heck's going on with them um, and what we think of that relationship. I think it's interesting... That the scope of this series is so huge. Because, and I don't know for how long the book covers certain periods in their lives. But in the show, we get like a couple of episodes about them as children. And then a lot of episodes about them as teenagers. And I was kind of struck by their relationship. Especially when they were children. Because it seems very pure, you know, like they want to play dolls together and hang out. They have a lot in common. They both live in this really poor neighborhood and have, you know, parents that will fly off the handle in different ways. They have a lot in common. But I think it's clear that Leela is poorer mm -hmm. than Lenu in ways that become increasingly apparent as they get older. Most notably in that Lenu gets to go to school and Leela can't because her family can't afford right. it. And as they get older and money becomes a bigger issue, puberty also becomes an issue and guys start noticing them in different ways. And that's when it all went south. But... <laughs> But I think even from the beginning, it is a weird, and I think frenemyship is the way to describe yeah. it, because Leela is really mean. She's very um, emotionally manipulative, even as yes. a small child. <laughs> like, yeah. she has figured out- She throws- Oh, sorry. She's- I was just gonna say, she's super, super smart, and that's, like, part of the, the main plot of the show, is yes. that Leela is- They're both very smart, but Leela is kind of the smart one, and- like, naturally. Naturally. And uh, Linu is, like, a very hard worker, like Emily was saying. But she always feels inferior to Leela. But she's also fascinated by her, even when they're very young. And so even though she's totally aware that Leela is manipulating her, she still keeps 
going along with it anyway, which is also interesting. Yeah. It's kind of a toxic friendship. Oh, totally. In my opinion. It's more toxic to Lenu. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like I've definitely had friendships like this before. And uh, some of my closest friendships growing up were like this. So I definitely related to that. Um, and I think... I, I don't know. Like, I think it's really fascinating. I, I find female friendships really fascinating, um, especially, you know, at a young age, because those relationships can be the most important relationships in your life. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I think we, like, growing up, we care so much about what our friends think and I mean, like, obviously, like, men do, too, um, to varying degrees, like, growing up, they're very much influenced by their friends. But I think, like, there's something so intimate about young girls' friendships. Um, and I think that comes across in this. And I, I found that very relatable. Just there were so many things that happened where I was like, I feel like I, something similar to that happened to me. Um so I don't know. I always enjoy watching that. Um, as as far as their relationships, I think um, for one thing, we have to remember that we're only seeing it from Elena's perspective. So sometimes as we were watching it, I was wondering um, what it would look like if we saw how Lila was feeling, because like a lot of the times it seemed like the focus was always on Lila and and Elena always focusing on helping with Leela's problems. And um, I was just wondering if if we saw it from Leela's perspective, would it look the same way? Or, you know, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that <laughs> girls at a young age can be like obsessed with each other. Right. Yeah. So I think I think it makes sense that Elena is more focused on Leela and what Leela's doing and you know, who's interested in Leela, et cetera, because like she's obsessed with Leela. Um, I wonder if Leela looking at the friendship would see it similarly as like, she's obsessed with what um, Elena is doing. Right. I don't know. And I think in a outside the podcast conversation in a real life po- in a real life conversation Emily you said a lot of times girls might come across as being sort of obsessed with each other because they're trying to determine who they want to be mm-hmm. right and kids are yeah. constructing their identity based on what they see around them including their friends and i yes. think that that is really well represented in the show, especially in terms of girlhood, because we're spending time with the girls, and not just Leela and Elena, but also Gigliola and Carmela. Carmela. Um, We see them, too, and how they're choosing to construct their identity as they grow up. Mary, there's that moment, um, like, when Elena first gets obsessed with Lila where she says, I knew I had to behave like this girl. Yeah. Where she consciously is like, I have to mimic this behavior if I want to live like her. I don't know who Lila is mirroring. <laughs> She's Herself. a wild kid. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Leela seems so self-possessed from such a young age. Yeah, but then she... I mean, when Leela's, she's a kid, again, she's manipulating but, people. When she becomes a teenager, she's, like, telling boys who want to touch her, I'm going to yeah, kill but, you. But, like, but again, like, we're seeing throat. this from... We're seeing this from Elena's perspective. That's I think Leela probably also has insecurities, but, like, why? how would we know that? Like, of course, we're seeing... I mean, and I'm not saying that she didn't do these things, but I mean, I think also, you know, at the same time, Leela is a teenage girl. I think it's clear that she's very um, worried about <laughs> being poor forever and being stuck. Right. And a lot of her actions are fueled by that. Like, she feels like she has yeah. to do these things. Um, and she is, I think. Because I wonder, she's so afraid of not I think she out. is af- yeah. uh, afraid or at least a little bit concerned with what other people think about her, depending on who the – like, depending on who the person is. Because if it's a person whose opinion she values, mm-hmm. she wants them to think that she's making the right choices. And, like, we see that especially in the finale mm-hmm. episode when she has decided to get married to Stefano and she goes to visit her old teacher to invite her to the wedding – and her old teacher says, oh, her and uh, Leela and Elena go to visit her. And the teacher says, I don't know who this girl is. I remember Leela, but I don't know who this girl is. Because she's implying that Leela has sacrificed her intelligence and given up on a life that she could have had to just, like, basically be a dumb slut and get married, as the teacher essentially implies. <laughs> um, so... And that upsets yeah. her. Which is also a really restrictive way to yeah. look at it. <laughs> but also, she, like, she didn't have a choice. Yeah. Like, she, she really... It's not like had. she could have gone to school. But um, she later, oh. uh, when they're getting ready for her wedding, she asks Elena, like, am I making the wrong decision? And she's like, why are you thinking about this? And she says, because of what the teacher said. And so she mm-hmm. is, like, thinking about that kind of stuff. And it's not like she has it all figured out. Um, and Emily's right, like, we do have to remember throughout this entire thing, it's, Elena's literally writing this book. So, like, anything that happens is subject to her memory. And anything that we see... She opened up her computer. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. She opened up her computer. Important to note that she actually used a keyboard to write this book. Um, (laughs) but, yeah, so I think, I think, like, their friendship is, like you guys said, really indicative of a lot of young girls' friendships, especially in, like, the way that they there, – there are moments when they're, like, jealous because one of them is hanging out with another girl more often and, like, why why is she ignoring me? Why isn't she hanging out with me? Or, you know, she, uh, Elena goes away for the summer and Leela isn't writing her letters back and she's like, she doesn't care about me anymore. She's forgotten about me. Like – and one thing that really, st- like, stuck out to me was when she finally got one letter back from Leela after she had written her a letter every day for, like, two months. And she reads Leela's letter, and she's like, this is the most beautifully written letter, and all of my letters are trash. Like, <laughs> and just, like, that feeling of, like, <laughs> I- like, I know that exact feeling of reading, so- of thinking about something that you wrote and thinking, like, I was so, like, I was being so fake when I wrote this, or I was, like, trying so hard. Right. And, like, Leela writes in her own voice, and she is so natural. Like, I have a friend who I used to write letters with who I always felt that. When I would get her letter back, I'd read it, and I'd be like, God, her letter's so much better than my letter to her. <laughs> and I get so upset. <laughs> 
it's interesting that you mention her voice because that's something that uh, Lanu mentions several times is how Leela has her own voice. And that's something that she's very like envious of. Cause I think at least the stage that we see Elena at in this story, she's still struggling to figure out who she is. So that's like the thing she admires about Leela the most. Mm-hmm. And what's like so ironic about it is that like in the end, Leela is kind of having her own voice taken away because she is essentially forced into getting married to someone like, at least it's not the most horrible person who she was going to have to marry, but she essentially, like, kind of trades in Stefano because she's like, either I'm going to have to get married to Marcello or I need to find someone else who's also mm-hmm. rich and who will also satisfy my family. Like. Yeah, it's off to a pretty bad yeah. start, though. I mean, we're, like, minutes <laughs> yeah. in to the marriage, and it's, like, basically, so it's really bad. So, <laughs> um no, there, um, there are moments when we see some of Leela's insecurities and they're like, you know, they're not as focused on moments because she's not telling the story, but like when she's editing that article that, um, Lanu wrote, mm-hmm. um, she said, I can't uh, read anything of, of yours anymore because it hurts yeah. me. And, and then Lanu looks genuinely like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, and then like she obviously really cares what Lanu thinks even about the wedding and I mean she basically picks Leela's wedding dress for her Mm -hmm. and she gives her her like pre-wedding bath which I guess is a thing (laughs) someone gives you (laughs) and she also genuinely (laughs) shocking (laughs) (laughs) she stands up and all of a sudden it's like oh my god we're looking at a bush right now like for a while. Yeah. I also wonder For a while. Is, is this the actual actress or are we seeing no, no. 15 year old no, naked no. body? No. They, they had body doubles. Not. Body double. They had body doubles for all of the scenes that involved sexuality. So like the molestation scene, like that was a body double. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good um, to know. Yes. Yeah, but, I read that and it was like, that's a relief. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel better knowing that. That was a horrifying and I guess I mean while we're talking about it we might as well talk about it because I didn't like write a specific question about it but we should at least address it yeah uh this is the other reason I wouldn't marry Nino because (laughs) my father-in-law would be a giant fucking creep yeah but I'm Um, sure if you told Nino like let's never speak to your father-in-law he'd be like chill let's not yeah (laughs) I know but you still know like yeah anyway my favorite part of that whole situation is Donato Saratore comes up to Lenu months later in her neighborhood and says, Hey, where were you for the rest of the summer? I I, I wrote some poems about you. <laughs> And I was yeah, like, that's, that's not that's cute. His, that's not that's cute. That's his, like, one move, because he's done that move before. You can't just do that repeatedly. <laughs> but everybody in that neighborhood thinks it's really, really glamorous or something. That he and has a published book of poetry. I just sort of, because I was yeah. watching this with Todd, and I just sort of looked over at him, and he is a poet, and he was just like, Mm-mm. you can't. Wait, that's not how Todd locked you down? Great. I <laughs> no. <laughs> Not miss you all summer. 
Really? Well, I guess we should. I um, some poems. <laughs> I guess we should explain how it goes down exactly, which is yes. to okay. give a little backstory. Um, Donato and his family uh, lived in the neighborhood when uh, Linu and Lila were children, and he uh, basically begins having an affair with this woman whose husband passes away. Melina. Uh, uh, Melina. And this woman has some clear psychological issues, and she becomes very obsessed with him, and, you know, his wife is sort of on to what's going on here, and ev- everyone in the town is on to what's going on here, that he that he's having an affair with this widow. And basically, they get run out of town because his wife and the widow are getting in these fights and everything. So they leave. Like, push and people down the stairs. Yeah. Fights. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and Very then, passionate people. Yeah. The Italians in this show. And then in classic <laughs> uh, Elena fashion, she's, like, standing there as a small child, and she's she sees someone fall down the stairs, and she just, like, faints. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I can't handle this conflict. <laughs> but, um... Excuse myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they, they leave. They move away. Melina slowly becomes more and more... Um, mentally unwell and is kind of like the town, you know, nutbag, nutbag to use <laughs> a <laughs> a scientific term. Um, but anyway, <laughs> later on when they're teenagers, um, Linu goes to what's it Ish- Ishka Iskia is Iskia, mm-hmm. um, which is I don't know a, how we would say it. Yeah, it's like a little island town. Um, and she goes there to sort of, like, get sun and and have a nice summer. Her professor sends her to live with her cousin or something. I don't even know, like, what that connection is. she's pale. Yeah. They're like, you look pale. You could use um, a Three luxurious island sun. vacation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also look pale if someone wants to send me to an island. Yeah. yeah. Someone please fund my trip to a beautiful island um, where all I have to do in order to uh pay my rent is cook breakfast and dinner. And set the table. And set the table. And then I have the rest of the day free. But anyway, uh she goes there for the summer and she's there for a bit and then it turns out that so she has been going to school. She's been going to um, middle school and in her class um or high school I guess it is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. In her class is Nino who is the son of Donato as we've spoken about. Um, and this is, like, the first time she's seen him since she was a little kid when he, like, professed that he had a crush on her as a child. And then they moved away. And he didn't just have a crush. He d- he told her that he was going to marry her. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, she-, <laughs> she was like, I can't. Bye. Yeah. And then she, like, went inside and was like, he, he, he. Because she had a huge crush on him. But mm-hmm. – and then she cried when he left. Um, with her big, beautiful blue eyes. That tiny actress was so adorable. Yeah. But anyway, she uh, is staying in this house, and they have, like, a room for rent, basically, that people come and stay in as their, like, vacation summer home. And so the uh, – Sart- is it Sartore? Sartore. Okay. Sartore. Yeah. The Sartore family comes to stay in the house. And Donato, the father, is there, and he's, like, a writer and seems cool. I mean, to her, I guess. He seems creepy the whole time to, like, 
anyone. Everybody else. Yeah. Every, there was everybody else. sense of dread. Yeah, because, like, you can just see it coming. And, like, the mm-hmm. whole episode it takes place in this very beautiful setting and is just sort of, like, leading up to this conclusion. And at the end of the summer, um, right after her birthday, her 15th birthday, um, Elena has, like, befriended Donato and thinks he's, like, a cool dad who – and she, like, kind of craves validation from him. And at that point, she – uh, is in bed and he comes up to her in the middle of the night and asks her to stay because she has decided to go home early so that she can see Leela. And he says, please stay. And she says, I can't. My friend needs me. And then he's like, but I know you want to stay. And then he uh, starts kissing her and touching her. And she just like lies there like a statue because she can't like do anything else. And after that happens he like goes back to bed and she leaves and that's what happens i mean i think interestingly this is almost like shot for shot a scene that happens with nino earlier in the same episode that's really sweet Mm -hmm. where nino comes in finds that lenu has you know quote fallen asleep she's faking (laughs) while reading and he gets a glass of water looks over at her Sort of tucks her in, puts a bookmark in her book. That that was like the most tender moment in the whole series is when he like takes her book and then carefully yeah. like marks the page and puts it away for her. It was very <laughs> nice. So I was I was watching that scene and uh, Ben was here just like because sometimes he just sort of like sits in and like randomly watches <laughs> shit that I'm watching, not knowing anything that's going on, and he was watching it like. Oh, hell no. Is he about to close her book without saving her spot? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> nope. And I was like, no, look, he's dog-earing it. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Like, it's yeah. moments like that. Because, like, Nino's an asshole, but, like, sometimes he does sweet things. You see the and potential. Yeah. yeah. He's only well, he's I think 17. He becomes more of an asshole the older he gets yes. in the show. Like, he's fine then. And he knows well, his dad sucks. So he's on to something. Yes. Anyway. Anyway, it's horrifying to watch. It's horrifying and also really interesting from a film perspective. Yeah. And a writing perspective. And I don't know if this is the way the novel is, but Lenu, you know, this traumatic event happens to Lenu and it influences her future decisions, but she doesn't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. It is like that in the book, too. She doesn't tell anyone, and so you're constantly just having to think, oh gosh, she's having to compartmentalize all this. Yeah, and she says in her narration, I have never told anyone that this happened until right right now. So we know watching the show that she's never going to tell anybody, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Until now. I mean, but imagine, like, now people don't tell these things. Definitely. Yeah. For various reasons. Like... I can't imagine who she could even think she could tell then. Um, and, yeah. And I mean, you can only everyone, imagine. Because everyone, like, everyone loves that guy, right? They think he's. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that, you can only imagine how, com- like, how many young girls he's done that to. How common it is in their town for men to be molesting young women because there are no consequences. Yeah, and to which be makes grooming. the Melina thing yeah. sadder too, because it is another predatory move from right. someone who's like, 
not at the same power level or emotional capacity level that this guy is at. So, yeah, so that's, that happens and it's bad. And that's all to say, I mean, I didn't put him in the Mary Fuck Kill because, like, obviously. Murder. Everyone him. should kill him. <laughs> yeah. 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 N- nor is he attractive. No, Kelly and I have had this conversation already. He's got that, he's got that 1950s bod. We were talking about how like his shoulders are the same width as my shoulders, but on an adult man's body. He's like he's tall and lanky. Yeah, he just has really narrow shoulders. That's like what I couldn't look at anything else. Plus, he carries himself like this too. So it's like yeah, he's like (laughs) yeah. Anyway, so that that sucks. Um, but he's also gross on a writer level because he's like, oh, I wrote some poems for you or, oh, I was just reading this excellent article. Who, who wrote it? Oh, oh is God. it, it's me? <laughs> that like, was so fucking Congratulations. Annoying. And he's like, oh, it's nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that so much. Also, that poem like wasn't good. No. I mean, we all know that, but. It wasn't even good for the time. Yeah, like, maybe it was something was lost in translation there. No, no, it wasn't. It was bad. So. But this is a good um, segue into the next topic I want to talk about, which is basically the men in so this many men. story and how masculinity and machismo work. So almost all the men so far are pretty terrible, um, but they're really kind of controlling all of the events in the neighborhood because they are the economic center of this place and they make all the decisions. Um and plus, like, it's the 1950s and everyone's poor, so the gender roles are already, like, really fucked anyway. But I want to talk about how masculinity is working and also then how Lenu and Leela are subverting some of those gender norms a yeah. little bit. I think this show is such a strong argument against toxic masculinity because, <laughs> yeah. seriously, like, every... Every scene almost involving men on this show is like someone loses their shit immediately because their pride is somehow wounded or they, you know, there's like a thousand different small things that can set someone off. Um, But like, it's just it's sad because you see all of these young men who are like, you know, from from being like little kids who are just growing up around all of their fathers behaving in this same way mm-hmm. where one small thing goes wrong, they fly off the handle, they start yelling, throwing things, threatening physical violence, often beating their kids. And there's just – it's like a horrible, horrible cycle. And even the characters who we think are maybe able to break out of that cycle can't. And I think like one of the best examples of this is mm-hmm. Reno, yeah. who is Leela's brother. He is clearly, like, has a good heart. Like, his heart Mm -hmm. is in the right place. As a kid, we see him trying to save money from working in the shop, and he talks to his parents, and he's like, I want to pay for her to go to school with my money. He's, like, a 13-year-old kid trying to, yeah, like, trying to pay for his sister to go to school. That was so sweet. It was so sweet. And then, like, as they get older, you know, like, he just, like, he really cares about his sister, and he seems like a genuinely decent person, but then he also has this like horrible rage issue and is violent and very prideful. And you see in his interactions with his father, like how 
that happened because there is like this tension between them and he's like it's that classic like I hate you but I am also constantly seeking your approval like in the scene where he that him and Leela have been working on these shoes that they're making this like new design of shoe and when his dad is like telling him like this shoe is so great it looks amazing and you can see that he's like that Reno is proud of himself and then his dad is like just kidding fuck you this shoe is horrible and it's like <laughs> such a heartbreaking moment because it's like even though Reno's being an asshole to Leela it's like you still feel for him and i just like i think that he's a really good character like an interesting character because he really like encapsulates this struggle of like how to like try to overcome your surroundings and your upbringing and sometimes yeah. you just can't you know oh my god are you kidding me baby she's so oh my cute. gosh she's such a baby <laughs> she's that is so, so cute to, oh my god she's trying to make you feel better this has That's never the best happened thing about in the Kitty. history of our recording this is oh, so cute this is the cutest thing i've seen in a long time <laughs> she's trying to help me feel better hello Oh, is that <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to all of our listeners, just so you know, Mary is not feeling very well, and little Petrina has crawled on top of her and is resting on her and making very biscuits sweetly. and, and rubbing her little in. face around. Aww. I think she's showing off a little bit. She's trying. So she's tender. doing what she can. She's trying to help. Sweet girl. Well, Angel. Yeah, I, I also agree that there are moments where you can see oh these guys have so much potential to break out of this really dangerous cycle of toxic masculinity but then it's just like not gonna happen so like the part that sticks out the most to me is when the uh karachis don Achilles' sons are going to have a new year's eve party and invite Lenu and Leela to come over and they say you can bring Reno you can bring your friends like everybody's welcome and it seems like a really happy nice time where like old differences are going to be mended and they're all gonna get along and then the Solaras pull guns out and they all start shooting each other I mean it's like as soon as something goes not according to plan the solution is Let's Every beat man. everybody up or kill them. Yeah. Every yeah, man I was going to say, there's shit. so much threatening to kill people. Yeah. Always. And you and you believe that they really might. I mean, he did shoot a gun at them. Yeah. There are cars being lit on fire. Um, Mr. Solara, like the, the Papa Solara, threatened to burn down the shoe store. And I He's believe like- that he totally would light that place up. He's like, the you only know, you got a lot person. of chemicals in this shoe store, and I'm not, I'm just saying, like, that's One a fire hazard, again. you know? Yeah, he's, and he, like, as he's, like, just lit a smoke, too, he's like, yeah. one spark, and it'll all go up. I'm like, oh, he's gonna fucking burn your shop. Drags up. heavily on cigar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that guy is for sure in the mafia, but... Um, yeah, he literally only, walked off the set of The Sopranos. Yeah, the only other, yeah, he was like, is this the right HBO show? <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm lost. One moment. Um, the only other person who threatens to kill people with that frequency is Leela. Yes. 
Yeah. True. <laughs> um, like, twice, she, like, very seriously tells Marcello that and she holds a knife him. to One his throat. Literally... She actually has a knife to his throat. <laughs> yeah. It's like a box cutter. Yeah. It's a box. It's like a... It's like half box cutter, half shank. It looks like she put yeah. together a box but, cutter herself. But and, yeah. and then I, I think oh, sorry. both Marcelo and Stefano 100% got off on Leela yeah. making oh, for threats sure. and being mean because they're so rich. It is a novelty that anyone would say mm-hmm. no to them. Yeah, and you could tell, like she would be like, yeah. "I'm gonna kill you," and Marcelo would be like, mm. "That is a hundred percent why Marcelo yes. went for her in the first place because they didn't even have any kind of romantic connect, any kind of connection at all." The first time she threatened him because he did some shit. He to thought she else. was hot, and as soon as yeah. she, as soon as she threatened him, he was like, Ooh, yes. "La la, yeah. my new conquest." So, maybe that's one way she's doing some. Subversion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I think it I think is violent. she also just her outright refusal to marry him, and yeah. she's like, if I and she says to her parents a million times, I'm not marrying him. I told you this. I'm not marrying him. I'm not like the number yeah. of times she says that is like if you drank every time Leela refused to marry Marcelo, like you'd be dead. You'd be mm-hmm. dead. Um, she's like so insistent on that and they still like won't let her say no and it's like yeah she could just keep saying no but he keeps coming over to the house like what is she supposed to do like if her parents kick her out like she has nowhere to go and so she eventually is like well i'm not gonna marry him so i'm gonna find another way out of this like and i think like her cunning and intelligence and the way that she uses her ability to manipulate people to get what she wants, but I think she does it in ways that are, like, because she's a woman, that's how she has to do things, you know? And I think that's yeah, a subversion mo- of sorts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The most, like, interesting moment in terms of gender stuff is, to me, when so Stefano says to her dad, like, well, I want to marry her. And he's like, well, she's engaged to Marcelo. And he's like, well, she doesn't know that. So yeah. if, she wants, if she wants me, you have to give her yeah. to me. Like, that's the, you know, wording that's used. And he's like, well, that would be like a really big insult to that whole family. It's like, well, you have to let her choose. As if as if he's actually advocating for, like, Leela right. to have agency here. He's not. But he says, like, well, you have to give her to me. And so she comes in and chooses him like in front of her father which is kind of a cool power move but it's not Mm -hmm. she doesn't really have any so it's kind of yeah it's just a really interesting power play between the three of them that's happening and reno's watching like (laughs) oh my god yeah what (laughs) yeah and reno Um, tried he was like he's right she hates marcello like (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a pissant as is everyone that's their that is the the most used insult in 1950s Naples. Piss ant. It's true. <laughs> Amazing. And I wish I knew the Italian word for it. I mean, we heard it a bunch, but I only I know. know this because I was reading. <laughs> the, the word I remember hearing most often is allora, which is like, so what? 
So. (laughs) (laughs) All the characters are constantly saying to each other when someone's like, well, you said this. And they're like, so? Maybe I did say that. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of that. (laughs) Leela does that a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. This question was how we arrived at Fuck, Mary Kill. So. (laughs) (laughs) I think Lenu just, I guess, by her education and, like, surpassing some of the boys does a little bit of this, but she's, like, personality-wise, still at this point as a teenager, really, really passive. Um, especially compared to Leela, who is outright aggressive in everything she does. Yeah, next, I just want to talk about the setting. So, this is, like I said, 1950s Naples, and it was shot kind of right outside Naples and then some in Naples. Um, and the actors speak in Neapolitan dialect, which the book is written in. Um, and I just felt like everything in the show, it doesn't even really look like we're watching like modern actors pretend to be in 1950s Naples. It like really feels that yeah. way to me. I just thought everything felt so authentic and I wanted to know like how, what you guys thought of the setting and how it affected the viewing of the series for you. I think part of it for me was that I didn't know any of these actors. And for a lot yeah. of them, this mm-hmm. was the first big thing they've been in. Even though I probably wouldn't have known or them the first anyway, thing because they're all Italian yeah. actors. But, <laughs> I mean, this was a big role for a lot of them. And not knowing who the actors are really allows the viewer to sort of suspend their disbelief a little more, I think. Because you're not thinking, oh, this is Nicole Kidman playing a role, or this is, you know. This is a modern person I know in the 1950s. You can more easily believe, oh, this is, like, really happening. Even though you know it's not, it's just a little easier to disassociate the actor from the role. I mean, not to say that familiar actors don't do wonderful jobs of this as well, but for me personally, it's a little easier to sort of get into the world when I have no clue who any of the actors are. I do think you're right that it feels extremely real. Like, this show is so well made. It is so beautiful. And, like, the... Just, like, even the smallest details of these homes and, like, seeing, like, what the beach looked like in 1950s Italy and, like, the, the use of color, like, how in this poor town there's, like, everything is brown and gray... And even, like, the this, this sun seems to have, like, a gray tint to it. And then you get to the beach scenes and everything is, like, pops of, like, blue and red. And, like, it's it's just, like, so well done and so beautiful. And does have that sort of, like, feel of, like, looking at an old photograph, even though it doesn't have, like, a filter on it or anything. Mm-hmm. But speaking of photographs, I also want to talk about the gorgeous title credit sequences are they're so cool like i i am a person who loves skipping over opening credits but i like every time these came on i was literally excited to watch them (laughs) because they have these like these (laughs) insane photographs that i don't even know like how to describe them other than to say that they look like old photographs that are in like extreme high definition and yeah they're just like yeah. these beautiful portraits of all all the characters and that are so like eerie and like I, I don't know they're just awesome like this is one of the best like title sequences of 
any show I've seen. Yeah, it does look like if you stumbled across just like a really, really high quality photo of like right. your grandfather <laughs> in a suit right. <laughs> or something. And you were like, damn. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my favorite one is actually like um, Pasquale. Oh, yeah. Pasquale. Posh- I don't know how you say they that. say sometimes. He's just, just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how I would say it in English, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But like. He's just, it just looks like he's walking, yeah. like, he's in motion, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, the yeah. look that he's giving, I don't know, those are really cool photographs. Yeah, he's sort of, like, looking at the camera, like, yeah. what do you want? I'm trying to yeah. walk. Yeah, they look like, yeah. like, documentary <laughs> photos or something, and I love the one of Reno, like, in the shoe mm-hmm. shop, too, it's really cool. Reno always looked dirty. Yeah, <laughs> there are a couple. He always had a smudge. Yeah. A couple, like, him, and then also the one who's a mechanic, Shoe polish. Like, Antonio, I think, who's Lino, Lino's boyfriend later. Oh, he's God, so Antonio. Um, but he's always yeah, he's dirty. He always has, boyfriend. like, car oil all over him. Um, but also, another mm-hmm. interesting thing about the visuals on this show and about the title sequence is that I noticed in the um, What Happened on the Last Episode little sections, they don't use any dialogue in them, which I thought... Yeah, it's just like yeah, piano. It's just music. piano. It's really great. And like shots of people's faces and facial expressions, <laughs> like showing what's happening. <laughs> like, and I just thought that said so much about yeah. the show itself that like you don't necessarily need a lot of the dialogue that happens because so much of the action here is like through people's facial expressions and just like movements and things. And which is so interesting for something being adapted from a novel. So, because it's so visual. It's really artful, and it doesn't pander to the viewer. Yeah. Also, just, I mean, this is not to, like, you know, burst anyone's bubble or anything, and I agree, but I think um, a lot of times when uh, English-speaking cinema is bringing over foreign language stuff a lot of times in like trailers and things like that they won't include any of the dialogue oh yeah that's a good point yeah but i mean if you already watched the last episode like you already watched subtitles so yeah but i'm just saying i i just Just think it it, you would have a hard time conveying plot without any dialogue for a lot of tv shows that are on okay you'd have a hard time cutting together a sequence without any words yeah so what you get is not really like Here's an outline of what happened on the last episode. You get like, here's mm-hmm. what it felt like yeah. for the last episode. Um, another note on the casting, like, um, not that these people aren't beautiful, like plenty of them are really objectively beautiful, but they don't look like the way that, like, if this was cast in America, mm-hmm. like, these actually look like real people that you could see on in your neighborhood yeah. <laughs> or in your shoe shop. Um, I feel like if we did this here, we would really fuck that up pretty badly. I mean, at the same time, they were all incredibly beautiful. Yeah. The girls. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Gigliola. Sorry. <laughs> but, like, especially, I think, the, like... <laughs> well, I mean, I think, like, Carmela is a pretty, like... Normal-looking. She looks like a person you would see. Yeah. You know? Um... Like, here, it'd be like, okay, well, Olivia Wilde is going to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Like, okay, great. Well, like, we all can tell. Like, obviously, she's the most beautiful person on the planet. Yeah. So. 
I will say <laughs> I liked how they tried to ugly up Lenny for like two episodes <laughs> and that gave her like giving her acne. Yeah. Then they were like, she went to the beach and got tan, and now uh, she's they gave her some zits. She went to the sun. The zits went away. They gave her. They gave her zits. They definitely like enhanced. They gave her makeup to look make her eyes look more yes. like red yeah. and like bags under them. They yeah. made her look kind of like oily. They ma- they ha- as Emily mentioned, she has unwashed hair yeah, for a large portion really of does. the show. Um, meanwhile, like Leela's skin was absolutely flawless. <laughs> so. That's okay because you know that people that get lots of zits don't get wrinkles as early as people who don't get zits. So take that. Really? Yeah, it's true. Because oil is very moisturizing, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> so take that, guys. That's wow. why what happened to I'm going to look young forever. I feel like I got wrinkles like super early. <laughs> and I also had zits. Oh, you know so. what's awesome? When you have zits and wrinkles at the same time. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's called. I turned 30, and then that happens. (laughs) And sometimes you still feel 15, except your eyes are all baggy and your forehead. Can't pull all-nighters anymore. That gives you a It's definitely not 15. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Anywho. (laughs) Um, Just a side note for me. like When I did start to read the second book in this series, I was in... Naples, Ooh, and you fancy, that's why I started huh? it there, and that's also why I haven't finished it yet because like a lot of stuff was going on, and I just we we left Naples and I <laughs> didn't finish it. But um, it was pretty cool to to do that, even though you know I wasn't in like the neighborhood that they were in. But there are parts where like when she goes out and sees the right. sea for the first time, and you can see like the volcanoes across the water. That's Vesuvius. Like I think I stood like in a pretty similar place and i was just like oh this is really cool like i recognize Aww. the thing so it's kind of how i feel about this girl that's from birmingham on the bachelor i'm really hoping she makes it to hometown so maybe i can be can... like hey i've been there <laughs> maybe you're like in the background of a shot <laughs> yeah except they probably if they did that i'm sure they filmed it months and months ago and i would have had no idea yeah, yeah it's too late. <sighs> all right any closing thoughts on my brilliant friend i really enjoyed it Yes. I liked it a lot. Thought it was really well made. I yeah. like I don't want to say I enjoyed I'm happy I watched it, but it is a very emotionally heavy show that takes a lot of like mm-hmm. concentration to watch. Not just because you're reading subtitles, but you're also having to pick up on like subtle facial cues and looks people are giving each other and like small things that are said yeah so i enjoyed it i think it's really good it is emotionally taxing i think the book is kind of like that too i don't know if y'all are going to read it now or not but nah i'm good (laughs) i feel like i feel like i know what happens and i feel like because like todd got his book out at one point and read something and it was the exact same thing they just said in the show. Yeah, well, I mean, Ferrante was involved in the writing of this. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, I think the book moves at that same kind of pace, too, where it's like, it's sort of dense, and there's a lot of just, like, emotional stuff happening. Right. At a not very, it's not like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like the plot moves very fast in either of these things, but um, it felt like the same 
emotional weight when I was reading the book, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not unpl- it's not like too bleak where you're like, I can't handle another episode right now. It's not like that. It's just Yeah. It's not like handmaid's tale level. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna I'm super excited that the show has been renewed for a second season. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And Yeah, now I can finish the book I started a, a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. I just like I loved it. I was so thrilled watching it. It was like exactly how I would have I never imagined like while I was reading it how it would be as like a movie or a TV show because it just didn't seem like the type of thing that would get adapted. Yeah, it doesn't read like one at all. No, but it really worked well and I loved it and I'm super happy that we got to talk about it. Yeah, I would just add that um I and I know we've kind of mentioned this already, but I just want to emphasize this. Um, I was really taken by the actresses, both the younger girls and the um, teenage girls that play Leela and Lenu. I think they just did an amazing job. And I'm pretty sure all four of them, this was their first acting job. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just... Which is crazy. Yeah, they just did a great job, great casting. And, it, I mean, like, obviously, like, this isn't, like make it or break it, but they did an awesome job casting older girls that look like the younger ones, yeah. which seems like that would be, like, real tough to do. Um, mm-hmm. Like I read that they found the young girls first. Yeah. Yeah. And then cast older girls based on that. Which was smart, because kids yeah. are just notoriously bad at acting. Yeah, so, it's like, hard to, <laughs> harder to find that. Like good child actors. <laughs> so find the good child actors and you'll find some teenagers who can like do it. So, but yeah, I mean, I just thought I, I was very taken by all four of these girls. I thought they did an amazing job. And um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Yay. I'll second that. So I also loved it, by the way. Yes. If anyone has any uh, questions or comments about this show, you can email us. Or hit us up on social media. And I really hope, I really encourage people to watch this. I feel like no one's talking about it. Um, and well, I feel we like are, it's so. <laughs> other than us. But I feel like it's getting ignored probably largely because it's in Italian. Yeah. <laughs> and people well, yeah, don't want to read subtitles. I think that is why also. Which. I think people want stuff they can like have on in the background. And yeah. this is not a 100% kind of thing. <laughs> I want stuff yeah. I can but have like, on in the background. Let me just oh, say yeah. to people but like my father it. who refuses to watch anything subtitled because he quote unquote doesn't like reading. Oh. You might not realize this, but watching things with subtitles on, you don't feel like you're reading because they're reading. It's like they're re- like it just like you're you see it and you absorb it. It's not like you're sitting down and like reading. It's right. not the same thing. I think some people <laughs> are just really bad at like reading it. and have a hard time reading subtitles. Like, I well, honestly believe tell you, that. My dad is not bad at reading, okay? <laughs> He's just really <laughs> Your annoying. Your dad can read. <laughs> he is very intelligent. He yeah. just is stupid. <laughs> I used to feel like I would not – like I would miss something on the that was happening because I was looking at the bottom of the screen, but I think that was just sort of in my own head. <laughs> like yeah. you get used to it in a couple of minutes, really. Like brains are amazing, like that. It's mm-hmm. so cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you're reading, like, a complicated, like, structured novel. You're reading dialogue. It's like, if you can read your text messages, you can watch a show with subtitles. Yeah. And that is our um, our plug about subtitles. Some people are really bad at text messaging. You can do it. This is just me encouraging people who think they don't like things with subtitles. Yeah. You can do it. Hey, it's kids. It's really not that if hard. If you can text, you can read subtitles. <laughs> Listen to us, youth. And reading. This has been a public service announcement. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Moving on. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going to read Mary Kay's. So we have one more last Suspiria feedback to read, and then we're never going to talk about this dumb movie again. Okay. No one ever, ever say anything. Please never. Oh, it's, I just, I just saw that someone wrote Emily read this one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, Susan made an order for us. Oh, all right. I thought it was like, I don't want to read this. I'm like, fucking read this. Yeah. That was there already. (laughs) Oh Yeah. Well, Susan's the one that really loves Suspiria. So, anyway, okay. Dear Book Squad, thesis, I appreciate the organization here. Thesis, Suspiria is scary even though it is art for art's sake. Okay. Sub-argument one, the dancing with no music is uncomfortable. All the parts of movies that look like chaos... All the parts of movies yeah, that look okay, most of it whatever. Anyway. All the parts of movies that look like chaos, like the Olga scene and the scene where Suspiria is making everyone's heads blow up for no reason at all, are usually very choreographed because it's hard to look that disorganized. And the no music part makes the viewer uncomfortable because done right, dancing has a musicality. It's the music that makes that leg fly or made you feel like you needed to be on the ground. And if there's no music, what the hell is making you move like that? Good question. Sub-argument two. Tom York did the music. He's basically a ghost. Agreed. Sub-argument three. Those costumes are gross. They're boring except for the one. And even that dance costume, when it wasn't in motion, was very boring and looked literally tied together. Never use safety pins or knots for costumes. That's a wardrobe malfunction waiting to happen. Those strips hanging off, though, awesome movement extenders. Same with having their hair long. It makes any motion look bigger. That's why belly dancers wear hip fringe and tassels makes us look like we're doing more than we really are. Mary Kay is a belly dancer, by the way. Um, I will say, though, as a person who has studied some dance and choreography, the the cinematography for the dance scenes, although haunting elsewhere, just frustrated me. Like, why are we cutting to Tilda's reaction to her lane jumps? Show her sucking. I agree. Sub argument four. Dakota is not a dancer. I was also not very interested in Dakota's dancing. One does not show up with no training and land the lead immediately and make friends. Fucking nah uh Not even when you're straight up stealing their talent. She also does not look like a modern dancer. Her body's perfect, of course, and please don't think I'm body shaming here because I would never. But as a person who would not make it in modern dance because I did not have the physique of a modern dancer, it lacks authenticity. Sub-argument five. Ooh, there are a lot of sub-arguments, girl. Olga. More than coven vibes, I was getting cult vibes. 
They won't let them leave. Instead of a hunky, crazy-eyes dude spitting bullshit, though, it's this cult coven manipulated young girls with actual witchcraft powers. This this repression of groups of young women is what psychologists think made the shared psychosis that started the Salem witch hunts, by the way. And for this reason, I thought Suspiria was going to be a cautionary tale about how women hurt other women, particularly how dancers hurt other dancers thinking they have to in order to succeed. Because we see Dakota, fuck, what's her character's name? I don't know. Steal (laughs) Susie! Susie! Okay. (laughs) Steal the other woman's legs to jump. And then we see her consort Olga into this horrifying holla, (laughs) etc. Sub-argument six. But also, no. And then, of course, the idea that the women are hurting other women of their own volition is also wrong, because although that might have been our director's vision, he is the one calling the shots. He is the one who designed this movie. So, meta-wise, men are the ones who convince girls they have to compete with each other instead of together. Yes, girl, exactly. And even that falls apart when you consider some of the more artistic what-the-fuck narration that's in there, like, I don't know, for art's sake. Anyway, thanks for talking about this movie, which is straight fucked. Keep fighting the good fight. Kay, love you. Bye, Mary Kay. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I like that that these are arguments for why Suspiria is scary. Perfect. And one of the arguments is... Dakota Johnson is not a dancer. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's scary. <laughs> Thanks, Mary Kay. Oh, man. Um, yes, girl. All right. So we got a lot of feedback um, on people's favorite things of yeah. 2018. So we're going to read those now. We got a lot. All Buckle right. This up. first one is from Lauren in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. So here's a list. Starting cool. with In the Dark Season 2. Old, but I just re-listened. Number one favorite pod ever. It's so well done, and the lead is a natural speaker. Kind of like us, I (laughs) guess. The data analysis they did to determine the racial bias of the prosecutor was incredibly thorough and kind of my dream job. Two, undercover, or uncover, escaping Nexium, Featured on the pod squad. (laughs) Um, Obsessed with all things Nexium. This pod was fantastic. I need more people to talk about this pod and the cult with, please. I'm your girl. Call me. Next, Southern Charm. Binge this during maternity leave, and it's such great trash. I was surprised at how much I like the women on the show and how much they defend each other. Next, Marvel and DC movies. A constant obsession of mine. Black Panther. Kind of obvious, but even as a white privileged woman, it made me feel things. I freaking love seeing all the cosplay from it. I saw someone post that black people were over the top with the cosplay, and they replied that this is their Harry Potter, which made me die because as a white Harry Potter lover, it's so true. Wonder Woman. Not 2018, but I watched it for the first time, and since then I have watched it at least three more times. So many feels. Gal Gadot for president. Avengers Infinity War. I was way behind in seeing this. I literally never go to the movies, and it lived up. Can we talk about Chris Evans' beard? Anyone want to talk about Chris Evans' beard? It's good. Yeah. Okay. Alright. I like Chris Evans. I haven't seen it, so. Me um, neither. I just... Meghan Markle. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite one on the list. Yeah. Meghan Markle. I would die for her? Question mark. <laughs> The Good Place. I started this on maternity leave and binged it obsessively. I cannot get enough of Jamila Jamil and Darcy Carden. If you haven't watched it, don't even talk to me until you do and follow them all on social. Jamila is a fucking queen, demolishing all industries trying to force women to believe we need to shit ourselves skinny. Watch anything she's done on the Kardashians or bullshit detox plans. I would kill for her. 
I'm fascinated by the show because I really can't put my finger on what makes it so good, but it's flawless. I like that show Marvelous a lot. Mrs. Maisel. I haven't seen it. It's I good. Too. You should watch it. All right. Continuing the list. Marvelous Mrs. Mabel. Also binge this on maternity leave. I feel like you got a lot of TV watching <laughs> in, and I wish I could have sat there with you because I feel like you got all the good ones. Yeah. I think I think maternity I leave is your favorite thing <laughs> of 2018. Let's just be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Was maternity leave your actual favorite thing? <laughs> Um, probably her baby but is. If though. I were pregnant, I would literally watch TV for nine months straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also binge this on maternity leave, and it's so funny and strong and empowering. The sets and clothes are flawless. A lot of people have mentioned this show, so I need yeah. to watch that too. Evil Genius, so good. I, I agree. Um, other specials uh, that I couldn't get us into were Wild Wild Country and The Staircase. They weren't bad, but I'm okay not seeing them again. So those were other Netflix documentaries from this year. Um, to all the boys I've loved before, this is the content young people need to be watching. Adorable. The main character had the most incredible blend of insecurity and confidence, and I adore her. She's so cute. They're making the sequel. I'm so excited. Oh, good. Um, sharp Objects. We all agree. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone in that was robbed at the Globes. The little sister was impeccable. And the Patricia, last one. Patricia Clarkson was not robbed. Yeah. She got the Golden Globe. That's true. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Go <laughs> this last one is, remember when that raccoon scaled a skyscraper? <laughs> I'm yes. so happy he lived. I want a raccoon and we'll name it Little, Tra- Little King Trashmouth like on Bob's Burgers. On another note, if you don't watch Bob's, just get out now. Thank you, Lauren. Wait, you guys haven't seen this? Mm-mm. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you're lucky because I'm lucky, too, because I heard about it, like, the day after it happened. But, like, while it was happening, people were tweeting about it. And, like, people weren't sure if the raccoon was going to make it to the top. And everyone was, like, afraid he was going to fall or die or something. But he made it up to the top and they saved him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was was wild. They were up at the top waiting for him. And then they caught him and set him back in the wild. (laughs) Okay, our next... Letter is from a special someone in Susan's life. His name is Justin. He is from Birmingham, or he lives in Birmingham, Alabama. I don't know where he's actually, but where is Justin from? He's from from Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) Born and raised. Okay. Justin says, first, I'd have to start with music. A Perfect Circle's new album, Eat the Elephant, is amazing. Not only is it a 2018 fave, but I think it's their best album to date. I haven't listened to that, but I remember that band. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll check it out. Another fave of 2018 would be Annihilation. Mm. Woo! You can never go wrong with Natalie Portman, and this movie combines two favorite genres, sci-fi and drama. The idea behind this was very fresh, and the textures were beautiful. One last fun thing I was shown this year, it's not new, but it's new to me, is the Great British Baking Show. I mean, come on, it's just a fun show to watch. I totally agree. I love that show. Thank you, Justin. It was shown to him by me, obviously, because I love that show. Who else in Justin's life would show him that? Hey. Yeah. He might have mom. friends who love to bake. You don't know? Maybe. No, it was me. Um, yeah. Carrie. So we're repeating the order. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Carrie from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, what's up, Carrie? We love you. Um, this is what she said. Movies. Hereditary, Mandy, and Roma all get three-way tie for best movie of the year. Those are great picks. I mean, I haven't seen Roma yet, but the other two. It's good. I really like. Mandy, so crazy. Music, Cat Powers Wanderer, Tom York's Suspiria score, Ice Age's Beyondless, Cardi B's Invasion of Privacy. There are others, but I had to narrow it down. You understand. Yeah, I do. Carrie's real into music, guys. 
TV, Sharp Objects, The Haunting of Hill House, Second Season of Atlanta, and The Handmaid's Tale. Those are all great choices, too. I need to watch the second season of Handmaid's Tale. I've just been too depressed to do it. That's me talking, not Carrie. I've, I, I, none of us have watched it. Yeah, it's just too real right now. Books. The only book I read that was released this year was I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, and I really enjoyed it. All the other books I read were released pre-2018. That's fine. Us, too, mostly. They're still good. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, XOXOXOXO. Oh, lots of X's and O's coming at us. We love Thanks, it. Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. Gossip girl. Yes. Gossip. Gossip Carrie. Gossip girl. Yeah. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> All right. Another special someone. Oh, we read from each other's lovers. Oh. Yeah. It's a little bit Delilah <laughs> after dark up in here right now. <laughs> we are a sexy radio show. This is Ivan. From Brooklyn. Or he lives in Brooklyn. I don't know where he's from. (laughs) Yeah. He's from New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. Learning lots. I knew that. I did know that. Hello, ladies of Book Squad Goals. Hi. Happy New Year. When is it officially too late to say that, by the way? I hope it's not today. Otherwise, happy January 9th. Below is a list (laughs) of my favorite movies from 2018. One, Black Klansman. This movie was hilarious from front to back. The casting was superb. And it's basically what we've come to expect from a Spike Lee joint a veteran filmmaker who's, sorry, who's a master at his craft. Maybe a bit biased because I love period pieces, but I think even without that, the movie's soundtrack would have still been on point. The costume design, the photography of this isolated little Colorado town, it's sort of Twin Peaks meets Shaft, and it's awesome. Yes, love that movie. Same. Two. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just, yeah, Two. awesome. The favorite. <laughs> Again, <laughs> sucker for period pieces. And while this film could have benefited from an editing team, it's not <laughs> capital edit, capital E, capital T. <laughs> it's not terribly long. And for a good 80% of the film, the movie works at a good pace. And man, is it enjoyable. All three women leads in the film, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, and Olivia Coleman deserve an Oscar nod, with Nicholas Holt coming in at a close second. I love Nicholas Holt. This movie Holt. is absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> this movie is absolutely hysterical while also being disturbing and outright suspenseful. I particularly particularly enjoyed the politics within the film and the struggle for power. It was very Game of Thrones-esque without the flags of the flayed man and castration. Hee-hee. Hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> you never hear hee-hee after castration. You never do. Why not? Um, <laughs> three. Damsel. I'm just happy I finally have an excuse to love a Robert Pattinson movie again, TBH. And while heavy praise should be given to the female lead, Mia, I can never say her name. <laughs> Wasikowska. Wasikowska. Yeah. yeah. You know, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> We're playing a badass cowgirl with a gun and a grimace glued to- onto her character. Robert really steals the show, in my opinion. Forget everything you've ever thought about Robert Pattinson as an actor and truly just enjoy his performance as well as the soundtrack. The fucking soundtrack in this film, courtesy of The Octopus Project, a band based out of Austin, gives this western a chill wave twist even if it does run a bit long. This movie is not what you think. Be prepared for that. But if you're a fan of westerns or even period pieces, have I mentioned I'm a fan of period pieces? (laughs) Then I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. And that's all, folks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Ivan. Did I see all three of those movies with him? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, it sounds like you're his favorite thing. Oh, my God. We didn't even say – I didn't even – someone took – Susan, did you take out the little cute fucking part where Justin was like – Yes. Oh, Susan took it out. <laughs> but when Justin originally sent this, he said, my other favorite thing is you – 
Susan. Aww. So cute. It's very cute. Due to some technical difficulties on my end, as well as feeling like a full sack of potatoes um, and being sick, I was unfortunately deleted from the rest of this episode. However, I am still here to tell you about two very important things. First of all, I want to talk about my featured bookstore, which is Lemuria Books in Jackson, Mississippi. Despite living in Mississippi for several years, I have never actually made it up to Lemuria until very recently, and I am so sad for the lost time with that store because it's just honestly amazing. Uh, Lemuria is in a very interesting place, but most importantly, uh, it's adjacent to a coffee shop, and the store is set up so you can perfectly browse and sip your coffee and stop and read. The atmosphere is inviting and the books themselves are organized meticulously and in a way that makes the space feel inviting and homey and also well taken care of and looked after. Also super important, the staff is lovely and friendly and would be happy to help you find anything you need. Lemuria has a few awesome programs that you can find out more about online at their website, which we can link to in the show notes. They have three first editions clubs, one for fiction, one for nonfiction, which is brand new, and one for books for young readers. All three of these clubs allow you to sign up and subscribe. You receive a first edition book delivered straight to your doorstep or available for pickup if you live in the area. This is a great opportunity to gift someone a way to grow their library or to grow your own library, which we're never opposed to. Lemuria also has an online store where you can order any book they sell, not just the first editions. And it's a great opportunity to support a local bookstore while also getting some cool books for yourself. We'll link to them in the show notes, and I highly suggest you check them out in person if you're in the area, but also online if you can. They're an awesome bookstore, and they definitely deserve all the attention coming their way. Next up on the podcast, we have a book I'm so excited to talk to you guys about. It's The Power by Naomi Alderman. This book hypothesizes what the near future might look like if women suddenly developed powers of electricity, the ability to zap people with electricity and get into all sorts of messes. Uh, This is a book that got a lot of buzz last year in 2018 because it has a strong feminist vibe, which you know we're all about here on the podcast. And I have not been able to put the book down since I started reading it. It's got some great stuff going on in it. And I honestly cannot wait to lead the discussion on the power next time. After our next book episode, we will be doing something totally different that uh, I've been told by past and future guest Todd, we have to call hashtag book squad games. What this means is 
for our next other episode, Todd is going to come on and run a little RPG tabletop role-playing game sort of thing for us. The game itself is not Dungeons and Dragons. It's empowered by the apocalypse game called Magical Fury. This game kind of plays out a scenario where a group of girls or a group of guys and girls discover that they have the ability to transform into magical girls a la Sailor Moon or uh, Madoka Magica. So I'm honestly really excited to share this part of my life with everyone just because I know Emily has played tabletop games and I played D&D with Kelly once, but I play tabletop games twice a week, every week. I'm a DM. Todd's a DM. (laughs) You know, it's just a huge part of my life that I've really been considering how we could feature in the show because I think it's such a integral part of storytelling and nerd culture, if you will. So I'm really excited to do this different sort of other sode and have the opportunity for you guys, our listeners, to sort of get to experience us all telling a collaborative story together. Hopefully it'll be something everyone's into and we will learn something fun in the process. So that's what's happening on our next other sode. So we have The Power by Naomi Alderman coming up next and then we have hashtag Book Squad Games coming up on our next other episode thank you guys so much for listening as always and goodbye from me mary okay also on the blog i wrote a post about bandersnatch which is a choose your own adventure adventure on netflix um, it's also a Black Mirror episode, so you know it's going to make you want to kill yourself. Um, but I'm here for it, so I talk about why I liked it, basically. I defend it, because a lot of people have been saying some BS. But I'm not here for it. <laughs> Anyway, also, we wrote a group post about the books we read in 2018. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Susan, you want to talk about this next one? Um... Yeah, so okay. we're doing bachelor recaps this season. <laughs> we're finally and giving in. We're, we're doing really it. Excited. Yeah, we've kind yeah. of toyed around with this a few times, but we have fantasy drafted our teams, uh, Susan yes. versus Emily, and every week we'll be checking in with those gals and doing recaps and giving out some awards. Just random awards. An example award from week one was most tragic mm-hmm. exit. Um. And worst Colton moment. That'll probably be every week. We, it was a two-way tie because we just couldn't decide because there were so <laughs> many bad moments. Yeah. There were two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Emily and I have a post about yes. the aforementioned The Favorite. Uh, loved it. Uh, yeah. It was great. We both loved it. Spoiler alert. But yeah, yeah we chatted about that. And that's up there. Also, Riverdale recaps are. Returning. Does it ever really leave? It's always. It always seems to be back. It's always coming back around. I kind of yeah. feel like it never leaves, though. It doesn't feel like it's. It doesn't. It's always lurking in the shadows. Uh, I 
did another pod squad post about a podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You, which is one of the podcasts that was picked up by the Exactly Right Podcast Network, started by the host of My Favorite Murder. So it should appeal to that same listener mm-hmm. group. What about our podcast? Yeah, pick us up. Yeah, I should write them a letter. Okay. Cool. Well. Yay. You got anything you want to say to us? Oh, I guess I should say all the things. Yeah. Uh, we, so <laughs> here's the thing. I haven't been so intense about this lately, but I think I'm going to have to start again because. New year, new Kelly. This is so. 2019. And you still haven't written us a review. This isn't this isn't about you, you kind, beautiful soul who wrote and wrote us a review and rated our podcast. I'm sure five stars, because why else would you be listening, right? Um, if you haven't, this is for you. Oh my god, Dad, I'm dead. You need to pick up your. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding though. Seriously, you need to. You need to. You need to do it. Um. Please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they're calling it these days because it'll help other people find us. And we really need that and want that. We want more people to join this extremely fun party. Uh, You can find us on social media at Book Squad Goals. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can email us at thesquad at booksquadgoals.com, which is also, incidentally, our website, booksquadgoals.com. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. For joining us. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Okay. Bye.